Bringing you the latest research, tools, and common sense tips you need to get and stay healthy. It's Talk Healthy Today. Here's Lisa Davis. I just received a wonderful cookbook, and I've been having a blast with it. It is called The 30-Minute Vegan's Taste of Europe, 150 Plant-Based Makeovers of Classics from France, Italy, Spain, and Beyond. And the wonderful author of this cookbook is Mark Reinfeld, and he joins us now. Hello there, Mark. Hello, Lisa. It's so wonderful to be back with you. I know. It's been a long time. It's really nice. You were one of my first interviews, and I remember it well. And uh, I remember talking about the 30-Minute Vegan and your restaurants and Tell us what inspired you to do a cookbook that centered on the taste of Europe, which is a great idea, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. Well, pretty much um, everyone I know, at least, has a, a love affair with Europe, and mine started about 20 years ago. And so just the culture and the cuisine and the, the beauty of Europe has really um, had a strong influence on my life, and the opportunity arose to continue working on the 30-minute vegan series and just over the past 20 years I've developed these vegan versions of European favorites so it, it was a natural evolution. Now in the book you write the style of my cuisine is vegan fusion. Define that for us. Well there's there's a couple of ways to define it. Basically it's incorporating the different ethnic cuisines into one setting so mixing different elements of different cuisines in the same menu or, in our case, the restaurant or in cookbooks. And on, on a deeper level, it's emphasizing the unity of the world's culture. So in addition to the cuisine, and as most people know, food is such a core thing that unites humanity. So emphasizing, uh, emphasizing on the delicious cuisine from around the world as well as the the wisdom and the beauty and the sacred sites uh, all combined is what vegan fusion represents. Oh, that's great. You know, I also love how you go through talking about raw foods, gluten-free, oil-free, low-sodium, soy-free, sugar-free. There's so many different ways to eat now. And also some of the specialty items that you might need, like the raw apple cider vinegar or the, what is this, kudzu root. Where do you get that? That's a starchy tuber used to thicken sauces. I've never heard of yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's, that's one of the more esoteric ingredients. Mm. Usually the book predominantly uses ingredients that are available yeah, definitely. at most markets. And then there's actually one recipe that calls for that specialty thickener. Uh, and pretty much everything is either available at a mainstream market or your local natural food store. Oh, that's good. Now, with the kudzu, though, I'm wondering, because sometimes with, you know, some people use arrowroot or some people use cornstarch, what what kind of texture does a kudzu? See, now I'm obsessed with this hard-to-find one. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, well, it, it thickens similar to uh, to the cornstarch or the arrowroot. It, it has a, holds its form a little better. Oh, okay. So it, we use that in the pudding to create more of a thicker pudding consistency. Oh, that sounds good. All right, let's go to Italy. Okay, get your bags. Let's go. <laughs> I love Italy. Yeah. Tell us about some of your favorite recipes in the book. I mean, I, I just, they all look so incredible. You tell me, and I'll tell you what I made. Well, I, in particular, I enjoyed Italy. I, I've had extensive travels in Europe, and Italy I found to be one of the most vegan-friendly and for that, I like doing some of my childhood favorites, like a linguine with a clam sauce, using uh, shiitake mushrooms oh. as the clams, and also uh, stuffed shells and uh, minestrone, and uh, did a vegan gelato. 
there's actually lots of favorites in the Italy section for me. Yeah, they're fabulous. I made the angel hair with roasted garlic and arugula because I, nice. I need to see the word roasted garlic. It was so delicious. That I mean, there's good. so Thanks. much flavor, you know. And uh, I think that's something that people who aren't familiar with vegan food might not be familiar with. Talk to us about that, that there really is. You can do so much with spices. Yeah, and it's especially with the Mediterranean influence, which mm-hmm. is another um, reason why I love creating this book, is just using a lot of the popular herbs and spices like basil, oregano, parsley, uh, as well as just the various spices and some of the the unique ingredients like Kalamata olives or sun-dried tomatoes really create a lot of flavor that many people are actually familiar with, even if they're not familiar with the word vegan. Oh, you know, you I just got an ice cream maker yesterday. Now, I don't eat dairy, but I made a, a coconut milk ice cream. It was pretty good, but I'm not quite there. I have a lot of experimenting to do. So I'm looking at your vegan gelato, and I definitely want to try that because there's something that I'm missing with what I'm making. Tell us about the chocolate almond butter. That sounds amazing. Well, you use the um, the fat content in the gelatos. There's actually a lot of vegan versions that uh, you can, when it's frozen, and if you don't have an ice cream maker, you could mix it in with a, uh, a food processor once oh, okay. it's slightly defrosted to create that rich uh, ice cream-like consistency. Yeah. So we have, there's three different versions of the gelato and that one is using uh soy creamer and the fat content of the the chocolate chips themselves to to hold it together oh that's a good idea i didn't know they had soy creamer oh yeah oh yeah they're it's very rich and uh gives a deep flavor that's quite a lot deeper than the soy milk yeah, I think with mine, if I had, I used a coconut milk like you would drink, you know, with the, the so delicious versus like a, a can of coconut milk. Because I was worried about it being too coconutty. But I yeah. think, I think you well, know. the fat content is what's going to help exactly. hold it together with the, with the frozen dessert. Yes, ours was more of a vegan ice milk kind of thing. <laughs> right. But it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. All right, let's move on. Uh, let's go to France. All right, tell us a little bit about, and I'm assuming you went to these places and you yeah, got to experience very, it. Tell us very about much that. So. And, uh, France, as a lot of vegan travelers know, is not the most vegan-friendly place to visit. There's a lot of butter mm-hmm. that's used that's and uh, dairy in general. So with the advent of some of the vegan analog products, which I, I use in the book to help create some of the flavors of, of the dairy that's mm-hmm. typically used in, in French cuisine, I did use that a bit. And then also just pulling on the Mediterranean influence so using like the vegetables and fresh olive oil that's that's readily available through throughout the mediterranean oh i see now my favorite non-dairy cheese is the daya or daya people say it differently what do you what do you like to use yeah that's actually the favorite that's what uh, i thought the one that i use and mm-hmm. it's really nice to uh replicate the flavor of the dairy yes and uh there's also recipes for like crepes and uh, I did a faux pate which I call faux gras instead of foie gras <laughs> and uh, I saw of that. course That's like great. a chocolate mousse so mm. there's actually an, a key a vegan version of a quiche which uses uh, tofu instead of the the eggs it's so funny that you mentioned crepes because I'm looking at the chocolate hazelnut crepes right now and I'm just like okay I gotta go I'm going to the store <laughs> I'm gonna get these ingredients yeah, it's that looks really amazing, amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. and 
since I spoke to you last, I've been doing a lot of uh, workshops and trainings around the country, and I've been teaching people how to make these vegan versions of Mm. these products, and it's it's really just amazing how far we've come in the vegan world to replicate a lot of the flavors that people are accustomed to. Oh, that's... Like including dishes like crepes or quiche or things like that. Oh, that's fabulous. All right, speaking of fabulous, let's move on to Spain and Portugal. What really stood out for you, and, and what sort of spices are used there? Uh, well, there we introduced, like, the smoked paprika was an mm. ingredient that I really enjoyed working mm-hmm. with. Uh, I did like a gazpacho, some of the, again, dishes that people are familiar with, like uh, paella, using uh, artichoke hearts and saffron, Uh, did some really fun desserts like a sweet rice pudding and an almond brittle. Uh, That sounds really good. Now, is that, what do you use for the sweetener? Is that like, do you use agave? You need some sort of syrup, right, or... For, for brittle, that, usually, uh, <clears throat> I use actually a brown rice syrup oh, that and uh, good. a little. There's now there's versions of organic uh, brown rice sugar, uh, brown oh. sugar. Oh, so okay. a lot of the sweeteners that you are using in traditional baking and cooking, you can get in, or, in an organic version. So I use some of that in these recipes. You know, one that really stood out that I want to make, I haven't yet, is the in the Spain and Portugal section is the white beans with mushrooms and sherry. God, that looks really good. Yeah, that's another example of a dish where I just used ingredients that are common in the area without looking. Well, many of the dishes replicate dishes that people are used to. Many of the dishes also just utilize common ingredients. So the mushrooms and the the white beans is, is part of that. Uh, well, you know, somewhere that I really want to go is is Ireland. My husband's half Irish, and we really uh-huh. want to go. So I love this picture of you smiling. Uh, United Kingdom and Ireland. Tell us what that was like. And and I, when I think, I don't even I think of Irish stew, which is in there. But there's a lot of other things. Tell us what yeah, else. Lots of I onions. I would say and, that's another mm-hmm. um, vegan challenge. Yeah, I bet. Ireland, but there's a lot of emphasis on potatoes and yeah, uh, parsnips and. Uh, I did do the Irish stew that used, I used actually seitan and that, which is another oh. uh, vegan analog product. Mm-hmm. And uh, I made a vegan version of the Irish soda bread, which uses uh, uses a, like a natural spelt flour. And that came out really well. And as well as some of the English dishes like scones and uh, a ginger brew. And I did like a vegetable pot pie. So again, oh. it's really amazing how you can just break through all of these barriers with vegan cuisine. And it's, and as well as it tasting good, it's also good for your health and also the environment. So it's really a joy for me to create these dishes that are full of flavors that people are used to. And at the same time, are good for their health and also for the environment. Well, this one, oh, it's so true. I would say this one was, it's funny, the Welsh rare, but you said when I first selected this dish going by the name, it is also called Welsh rabbit. I thought I would be developing a rabbit-free dish. Only later did I realize that rare, but is the Welsh equivalent of toast and cheese with bear thrown in for good measure. And you said yours definitely works. So tell us about that. Uh, that I really enjoyed that. And uh, I, as a kid, that was one of the dishes I grew up on was the toast and cheese. Mm. Uh, not with the beer. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't part of my dish. But uh, yeah. again, that uses a little of, you make a creative vegan cheese. And one of the 
ingredients in that is called uh, nutritional yeast, mm-hmm. which is one of the more important ingredients in the vegan pantry, which is it's a source of the B vitamins as well as a vegan source of protein, and, and it creates a real nice uh, nutty and cheesy flavor. Oh. And there, there are a few key ingredients that I recommend people um, pick up at their local health food store, and nutritional yeast is definitely one of the lists on the top of the list. Ah, all right. You know, I think it was pretty cool that you were able to make bangers and mash using the uh, vegan sausage or field roast. Yeah, that again, it's like it really, if you're unfamiliar with what's possible with mm-hmm. vegan cuisine, the, this book will really show you the, the full array and it uses a lot of the newer products on the market. So some of the, the vegan sausages are when you mix them with the mashed potatoes and the gravy, they really help uh, people who are looking to phase out of animal products but still really want that flavor. So, again, in the in the trainings I've been offering, I show people all, all the ways to use these new products to, to satisfy their cravings and also help them transition towards a healthier diet. Uh, well, you know, one of my favorite types of food is Greek food. I absolutely love it. Tell us, I love that picture of you smiling there. Boy, you've been to so many places. It's so cool. <laughs> it was, yeah, you could tell that I had a lot of fun. Yeah, you sure do. This creamy chickpea soup sounds really good. The creamy soups are one of the hallmarks of vegan cuisine and one of the main ways people, you can create a dish where you get the, I can't believe it's vegan. Yeah, effect. totally. And so using uh, the chickpeas and uh, like chickpeas with the lemon juice blended given and some of uh, soy milk or rice or almond milk create this creamy soup and then it has a lot of the fresh herbs like oregano and thyme as well as uh, hot chili pepper to give like that, the strong robust flavors of grease. Mm. Well, when I used to eat dairy, I used to love tzatziki. So tell us about yours. Uh, that's a, something, it's a condiment that is uh, typically used with the Greek yogurt mm-hmm. and uh, something that I have, I did a gyros. And so it's something to use as a side dish. And in this, you, I use a little of uh, vegan mayonnaise as a base, as well as the cucumbers and mint and lemon juice and garlic, which is uh, traditionally used mm-hmm. in the dish. Yeah. And so uh, when you ha- it has that rich, uh, tangy flavor of, of the, the authentic version. It sounds good. I wonder what it would be like with I, – I do a lot of coconut products because I'm uh, kind of sensitive to soy, which makes it tough. So uh, I love the So Delicious Coconut Milk Yogurt. Right. And I wonder if the plain – I bet that would work well too. Yeah, you can also use it with the plain It's and uh, – the, a plain coconut yogurt, just make sure the sweetener is yes. there. Sometimes those yogurts can be a little sweet, which would that's, alter the, the that, flavor of the dish. Yeah, see, that is the, I, you're right. I have noticed I have noticed that problem. The rice stuff vegetables look really good as well in Greece and the Spanakopita. Spanicop, what yeah, do you that's, use that's for like the, the quintessential yeah, dish? Definitely. It looks like that nutritional yeast helps and the tofu, that kind of helps. And the different flavors, that kind of makes it more cheesy-ish. Is that cheesy-ish? Yeah, is that a word? <laughs> a way to create a vegan cheese using uh, tahini, mm-hmm. which is a sesame paste used yeah. extensively in the Mideast. The tofu, tahini, and nutritional yeast combo creates a really nice uh, vegan cheese uh, alternative. Mm. 
All right, let's move on to Germany. Was that challenging? Because I think about like Brautwurst and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I call that the aptly name Wurst. Yeah, uh, definitely. They're sausages that are definitely not very healthy. And yeah. Germany was another one of the more challenging mm-hmm. countries. But again, using some of those analog products uh, and then focusing on some of the vegetables that are popular there, such mm-hmm. as uh, Brussels sprouts and asparagus and cabbage. Uh, or I was able to come up with a nice section and I did a beer soup using their, obviously Germany is well known for its um, beer. Oh, yeah. You know, it's so funny. I, you have such a great sense of humor. I love this not worst vegan bratwurst. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, yeah, I like the, calling it the aptly yeah. named worst. Also. Yeah. <laughs> now, of course, I, I'm Jewish, so I love potato latkes. So I'll have to try these baked potato latkes. That looks good. You got flaxseed in yours, and looks like I've never put paprika. That's wow. You say optional. Try smoked. Wow, paprika. That sounds delicious. Yeah, that was another childhood favorite. So the last section of the book is mm. I call Europe Fusion, yes. where I had a selection of recipes from throughout Europe, from Iceland and Romania and Hungary, Poland, Czechoslovakia, and a, a lot of the popular Jewish dishes, which mm-hmm. I grew up with, yeah. are, have their origins in Eastern Europe. So blintzes and latkes are, are, were, it was very fun for me to do that. The um, flaxseed is another popular ingredient that I like to use, and mm-hmm. it was actually one of the original medicines referred to by Hippocrates when he was saying, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. Really? And it also, culinary-wise, if you grind the flax seeds, you can create an egg alternative that has the same binding property. Mm. So throughout the book, instead of using eggs, I use, you use one tablespoon of ground flax seeds to three tablespoons of water to create an egg alternative. So that, oh, that's, that's what held the latkes together. You know, another one I grew up with, of course, is uh, the blintzes. So these blueberry blintzes look really good. Yeah, that again, that was the favorite. One of the favorites for me was the blintzes. Uh, usually they were the frozen variety, so it was very fun to, to create them from scratch. Well, your book is incredible. There's so much great information and wonderful sites and the people who contributed to the book and measurements and conversion charts. I, it's so fantastic, and it it's going to make it so easy for folks. Because I think, do you find in your experience that people still think it's hard to be vegan? Uh, in general, that's one of the big misconceptions. Yeah. And I really like showing people that it's very easy to create world-class, cuisine once you learn a few basic uh, tips and techniques and just start experimenting in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And so it's, if you, I'm sure if you try some of the recipes in the book, you realize how, how amazing the flavors can be with, with vegan cuisine. And when did you first become vegan? Or did, were you vegetarian first, like some folks, and then became, or did you just become vegan? Yeah, it was uh, in about Around 1990, I was actually on a kibbutz in Israel, and I share a little of that story in the book, Mm -hmm. but at at that point, I just started developing more of a connection with animals, and so I became vegetarian in a few stages during that trip, like cut out red meat, cut out chicken, then cut out fish, and then vegan came within the next few years after that, mainly because I started to feel a lot better Mm -hmm. without the dairy and eggs. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, Mark, you are so wonderful. And I encourage everyone, pick up your book, The 30-Minute Vegans Taste of Europe, 150 Plant-Based Makeovers of Classics from France, Italy, Spain, and beyond. Mark, how do we learn more about you? Oh, thank you for asking. Well, our website is veganfusion.com. And if people go there, they could sign up for our free newsletter. And we send out recipes and current events and other information on the vegan lifestyle. And it also... Uh, can direct you to some of the courses that I offer around the world. Actually, I do uh, 10-day trainings and weekend workshops to show people how easy it is to create this kind of food. And I have events scheduled on the West Coast and Hawaii, and I'm I'm working on uh, a Europe schedule for next summer as well. Are you going to come to the East Coast? Uh, The East Coast also looking at uh, October of next year. Oh, terrific. All right. Thank you so much, Mark. As always, you're welcome back anytime. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis, and I'm going to take a few moments to talk about avocados and avocado oil. So we've all heard about how great avocados are and how great the healthy fat is. But I don't know if you're aware, but avocado oil is so important because it is one of the only oils that you can cook at a very high heat without it breaking down and turning into trans fats. Yes, I said trans fats. So when you're looking for avocado oil, there's certain things you want to keep in mind. You want it to be green. You don't want it to be clear because it's been overly refined. And my favorite avocado oil is Avohas. If everyone wants to go to avohas.com, A-V-O-H-A-S-S.com, they have got such fantastic oils and they've got different flavors. They have avocado oil that is infused with lime, with garlic, with chilies. They have regular avocado oil. It is green and it takes 15 to 20 avocados just to make one bottle of their fantastic oil. Now, the other reason I like avocado oil is it is has so many benefits. It's ranked as one of the top five healthiest foods. It helps with the prevention of development of diabetes, high cholesterol, high triglycerides, and obesity. And again, if you're going to do any frying or any high heat sauteing, definitely get your avocado oil. Now, the other thing I love to do with avocado oil is I like to put it on salads. I like to put it on pasta. I like to put it on zoodles. If you don't know what zoodles are, those are yummy zucchini noodles that nowadays you can buy at most grocery stores. Last night, I made this great meal. I took grass-fed skirt steak, and I sauteed it up with some of the lime avocado oil. Oh, it was so good. And then I put it on top of a bunch of vegetables and salad. And then I added some real guacamole. Uh, not like there's fake guacamole, but I added some guacamole. And then I added some garlic avocado oil, the avocado uh, oil by Haas. And then I added some lime and I mixed it all together and put some tomatoes and Oh my gosh, it was absolutely fantastic. So I encourage everyone to check out avohas.com, A-V-O-H-A-S-S.com.